Welcome. This is Jessica Ortner, and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment, because happiness is not a destination. It's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello friend, welcome, welcome. I'm thrilled that you are here. Now you might find yourself in one of these two categories. Either you are clear on your dream, but maybe you're feeling stuck and unsure of what the next step is, or you might not even know what that big dream is. You know you want something in your life to change, but you're lacking that clear vision. Today, you're gonna learn how to navigate this and gain more clarity. To lead the way, we are speaking to Marie Forleo. Marie is someone who's, she's just hard to describe because she is a full-blown inspiring experience. You may have seen her alongside Oprah on Super Soul Sunday or watched her award-winning show, Marie TV. She helps people build a life and a business that they love. I've known Marie for many years and I can tell you that she is the real deal and I'm thrilled that she took some time to speak with us and I, I love this interview. I personally got a lot of great insights. Before we jump in, a quick note. Have you downloaded the Tapping Solution app yet? What are you waiting for? Right now, go to the App Store, just put in the Tapping Solution, and you'll find it there. It's a free download, and once you're in the app, you get access to 10 free tapping meditations. These are the perfect meditations to help you stress less and live your best life. So go to the Tapping Solution over in the App Store, download it now, have an experience, My personal favorite is tapping on anxiety. I use it all of the time and it is fantastic. So do not wait, take advantage of this amazing resource. Again, App Store, the Tapping Solution app. All right, guys, well, let's jump in. Hello, everyone, welcome. This is Jessica Ortner and I'm here with Marie Forleo and this is a very special episode of Adventures in Happiness where we are recording live with video. So if you are listening to this on the podcast, you can head over to Facebook if you like watching video. If you're watching this live on Facebook, subscribe to Adventures in Happiness on iTunes and you'll get this interview and a lot of great bonus content. So Marie, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me on your show. It's such an honor. It's such an honor to have you. This is what I spent my Sunday doing. Look at all these notes. And the difficult thing about good books is that when you want to interview someone, you want eight hours, but (laughs) we only have a short time. And I want to talk about, you didn't say these specific words, but it made me think of this. There's this crazy thing in our culture around life purpose. I don't know when that keyword came into our culture, but people get really stressed. Like I'm supposed to have this one life purpose. It's supposed to be around my career and there's so much pressure. So can you talk a little bit bit about how that mindset, uh, it's bad, it's harmful, it's stressful. Yeah, it's very amorphous. It feels a little bit esoteric. It's from many of us. It's like, oh, what am I supposed to do with my life? And that's a question, you know, the whole idea of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? right? That it's connected to that. And I remember first hearing that question as a child and my answers were never singular. 
I had like 17 things that I wanted to do and I would rattle them off. And as I grew older, some of the things would shift out, other things would shift in. It was like, I want to be a dancer and a teacher and an artist and a writer and a business person and an animate. Like I just would go on and on. And every time an adult would <laughs> hear me say that, their eyes would just glaze over. <laughs> Who is this child? But the challenge is, you know, when I graduated from school and was trying to find my place in the world, I kept hitting the same walls, which while it wasn't directly purpose in those days, it was still this notion of you have to pick one thing to be and you need to become very specialized and specific. And the way to get and achieve success is to like hunker down and focus in and understandably from an intellectual position, that idea really does make sense. But in practice, for many of us, it doesn't feel right. For me, when I was trying to follow that advice, even as a coach, so when I was starting my coaching practice at 23, which again, I look back, roll my eyes at myself. <laughs> even when I was 23, I was rolling my eyes at myself going yeah. like, you haven't lived enough life yet. You've like had the string of career failures. Like what's going on? This is such a cheesy term to life coach. But despite all that, I remember just this feeling of trying to specialize. And it was like, I was trying to cut off a limb. There were so many other things I wanted to explore. I love digital business. I love spirituality. I loved writing. I loved speaking. I loved dance. I love hip hop. And for years, I tortured myself in my journal. I tortured myself with friends and with family going like, why can't I just have like a single thing to say I am? It just never fit. And so it ties into your question about purpose. And I've seen this over the course now. I've been doing what I'm doing for 20 years, which blows my mind. But people are like, I don't know my purpose. And sometimes I'm like, guess what? I don't either. Like, we don't have to have this perfect party line of like, this is my purpose in life. And I think that our purpose shifts as we grow and as we get into different life stages and as different things change. So this notion of narrowly defining yourself to fit into a specific box so you can feel some semblance of control, I think is outdated. I think it creates a lot of stress for people unduly. I think that it also limits who we can be. You know, when I was, and we can go into this story if you want, but I remember when I finally stopped torturing myself, trying to just be one thing in life and gave myself permission to be all that I was and pursue multiple areas of interest, which included dance and hip hop and fitness and coaching and business, I started to fly. And this, this word appeared in my mental theater, which really shifted a lot for me. And the word was phrase, multi-passionate entrepreneur. I am a multi-passion entrepreneur. And again, it's a made up kind of phrase, but when it appeared in my mind, Jessica, it gave me a new context through which I could see myself. And when I saw myself as something to be proud of, like a multi-passion entrepreneur versus someone who was broken, who was unfocused and who liked too many things, everything changed. And again, yeah. to talk to people at cocktail parties and you know whatever, it just, it, it made a huge difference. That's what happens when you, take off the pressure. That's why I wanted to start here because the title of this is how to find clarity when you want to reach a goal. And the challenge is sometimes the, the very stress of having the clarity really shuts us down. Yeah. One thing um, that you talk about many things in your book, but this book really helps you get clear. Yes. And one of the quotes that I really love that I'd love to just 
have you expand on is that clarity comes from engagement, not thought. A lot of us are thinking about what the next step is, thinking that if we, you know, if we just contemplate enough, the answers will come. Yes. So clarity comes from engagement, not thought is like a mantra that I live my life by because there's so many times in our lives where we're in between. We don't know, should we move to this neighborhood or should we stay where we are? Should we take this new job or should we you know, hold steady? Should we say yes to this relationship or another stage or whatever? And we feel paralyzed in indecision. And so this notion that clarity comes from engagement, not thought, is really a prompter to get us into action, to take some small step so that you can feel from the inside out how you should move ahead. So let's talk about this in concrete terms. I remember for years, Jessica, I tortured myself dreaming, imagining, fantasizing about being a dancer. But all I was doing was thinking about it in my head. I had never actually taken a professional dance class because I was too scared. I was terrified of it. And I would just think like, oh, should I or shouldn't I? When I look back in retrospect, I literally spent years torturing myself in between my ears about this possibility rather than taking the smart step to actually put myself in a class. And when I did that, when I took my first ever professional dance class, Broadway Dance Center in New York City, I literally cried tears of joy because being in that space and actually doing something about it gave me all the information I needed from the inside out that yes, this was something I wanted to pursue. Yes, I wanted to take another class. Yes, I wanted to keep going. I didn't need to make long-term commitments or plans, but the clarity that came from engaging in the idea helped me know how to best move ahead. I've done that with relationships as well. I remember there was a time Josh and I have been together for like 16 years and there was a moment when he was like, I think I'm done. Like he just kind of wanted out. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't think we're done yet. I think that there's more here, but I think we need to engage. I think there's some things we need to peel back and get clear on and settle so that if we're going to have a great relationship, we're building it on strength. And I, I made him, I was like, look, if we go to X amount of therapy sessions, right. And then, then you're clear that this is done. I said, it feels too ambiguous now. And I will tell you that engaging and getting to the deep root of what was causing us relationship problems, engaging allowed us to both see that we really wanted this relationship to work and we were willing to do the work to make it move forward. And so this notion, clarity comes from engagement, not thought. The takeaway here is anytime you find yourself in a position of feeling torn, if you can make or take any step, like make a way to take a step or take a step that physically engages you in the process, you make a phone call, you get more information, you go and take a class, you go and test something, try something, experiment in a small way, you will absolutely feel from the inside out what your next step should be. You don't have to survey a bunch of other people. You don't have to ask people what they think. You'll know from your own innate wisdom and from your intuition how to best move ahead. Right. One of the things that's important when it comes to engagement is finding the time. And that's a big excuse. Someone says, okay, I hear you, Marie, but right now I just, I have too much on my plate. And in your book, you talk about carving out two hours, which I'm sure when people hear that, they feel completely overwhelmed. They want to throw the book against the wall. Totally. Exactly. But then then you break it down on how to do that. And I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about 
first, why did you say two hours? And then what can we begin to implement to start finding more time? Yes. So setting this in context, we have a chapter in the book that's all about eliminating excuses, because if you want to figure anything out and you feel like you can't right now, there's a possibility that one of the things that's holding you back are some constraints. And what I've seen in my career is the three biggest constraints, another word for that is excuses, which by the way, um, some constraints are real. We just want to say that. But sometimes all of us feel like, gosh, I just don't have the time or I don't have the money, the financial resources, or I don't have the know-how. That's why I can't move ahead. And when it comes to time specifically, which again, all of us have that. I call them excuses. They come up for all of us. I have them. You have them. They're like weeds. They come up in our garden and we have to just keep an eye out for them. And when it comes to time, most of us really do have more time than we realize. It's just that in our culture, we've become habituated to fittering away our time with our phones, with technology, sometimes with television, or just doing things in a way out of habit that aren't necessarily as effective or efficient as they could be. So given that a lack of time is one of the biggest excuses we can all use to hold ourselves back. I wanted to create a challenge in the book to challenge people that, hey, I bet you you can find two hours a day to devote to any problem you want to solve or any dream you want to achieve. And again, people will be like, I, there's, I don't have two minutes. Nonetheless, two hours a day. Are you crazy? And what I'd say is be, try it before you deny it, right? Just play with some of these experiments. And here's the reason why I like, as a coach, I like to stretch people and challenge people because if you stretch for two hours, but you know what, you find one, you're still way ahead of the game. Like finding a free hour a day could make a tremendous difference in your ability to regain strength or fitness or improve a relationship or get a better handle on your money life or improve your career, anything that's important to you right now. And it's really, really possible if we play detective, if we're willing to be honest with ourselves and we're willing to ruffle some feathers in terms of society's expectations of who we are, what we should be doing every day. You know, I remember Jessica, even when I was writing the book, right? There were times that certain parts of my personal life just needed to take a back seat. Like those dust bunnies are going to roll. There are these. Bridge might not be perfectly stocked. The whatever, whatever is not going to be perfectly cleaned. And that's okay. And for so many of us, especially women, we have so many high expectations of all the things that we need to do all the time to keep everyone else okay. And what we do in the book is just challenge some of those assumptions so that even temporarily, we can free up some time so that we can devote it to a really important dream or a really important problem that if we solved it would make a meaningful difference in the quality of our lives. Right. One of the big takeaways that I got from that chapter was the concept of create before you consume. Yes. You that? Yes. So create before you consume is how I help. So a lot of the things that I talk about in the book are literally the things I use every day to keep myself on track, because just like all of us, we are in an environment currently modern day environment where there's so much incoming. You know, we wake up in the morning and if you run a business or, you know, you have a career, even if you're just largely involved in your community or family, there's a lot of incoming, there's emails, there's social posts, there's different things that you need to pay attention to, to keep your life running, to keep everything moving ahead. There's um, television, there's newspapers, yada, yada, yada. So one of the things that helps me stay on track with my own dreams and ideas is a practice, create 
before you consume. So before you actually intake the work of others, before you scroll your feed and consume the ideas, the agendas, the expectations, the influence of other people, take 10, 15, 30, an hour to work on whatever that thing is that's important to you. I know if I create 20 minutes to simply meditate, just to be still, rather than consume the news or scroll through a feed or, or clear out my email, I am creating a much more stable, clear, present, and loving me with which I will interact with the world. If I take 30 minutes to create a stronger body, I'm improving my immune system, my ability to focus throughout the day, my level of patience and care that I am it's naturally going to extend to everyone else in my life before just mindlessly consuming television or Netflix or whatever. So it's a really simple mantra, create before you consume. And if you do that, then by the end of the day, if you're like, hey, I want to watch some stranger things, like great, because you've already created what's most important to you before you've consumed the work of others. Right. It makes me think about the rules we set for ourselves, because whether we know it or not, we, we do set these rules. Yeah. And the thing about certain rules, though, when we're conscious about them, is it actually gives us more freedom. Like some people think of rules and they think it's restrictive, but the rules we're talking about is to give you more freedom in your life. Are there, we, so we know create and consume, are there any other just rules that you have? Like this is my non-negotiable, this is the rule because this helps me create more freedom to do what I, what I really want. Yeah. You know, I think there's a couple of things like in, in my, in a kind of greater, larger sense there, uh, my rule that's now that wasn't always here by the way, because when I first started, I was working seven days a week, like a bunch of different jobs, bartending, waiting tables. I was a personal assistant. Um, you know, for men, the first seven years of my business, I pretty much worked nonstop. That was both a financial necessity because that's just what I needed to do in order to keep everything running. But it was also a habit. I grew up in a household with a very strong work ethic and that's just what you do. You work all the time. Um, as thankfully the business has grown to a new level and I've grown and matured to a new level. I also realized that that's not sustainable for me to work 24 seven. So a larger role that I have now is once a year, at least Josh and I take some, what we call adventure time, where it's absolutely like no technology besides using your phone to like find the best restaurant wherever you are or things like that. But it's just completely unplugged um, from work and time together. And we have other little bumpers that aren't necessarily like a multi-week thing, but maybe it's like a weekend upstate with friends to go pumpkin picking. You know, it's um, meals around the holidays with people that we care about. Like those are some non-negotiables in a, like a yearly sense that really help me stay connected to really what's most important, which is relationships. But on a more micro level, I am certainly not perfect at this. Like some people have like, this is my morning routine and I'm <laughs> from it. And that I am, I am not that girl. I'm but, happy. I'm not alone in this. No, okay. no. It's, it's like, there are, there are different seasons of my, basically, if I look at a year, 
um, we have a program called B-School, Online Business School for Modern Entrepreneurs. When that season is around, sometimes I need to wake up and do an interview. You know, maybe it's like 6 a.m. to do an interview with someone on a different side of the world because that's what my business requires. Like, and I also need sleep and I also need to work out. So the morning routine is out the door. Maybe I'll meditate later in the day. Maybe I'll fit in a seven minute workout if I can. But if my body's telling me, girl, you actually need a little more sleep, like that's what is required, then I'm going to do that. So I am not that rigid person. And then there might be times like, for example, Jess, when I was writing this book, I did have a nice little morning routine because I found that it supported that stage of my creativity. So it looked like waking up, making a cup of coffee, doing um, morning pages in a journal, and then writing for about two hours before I engage with the rest of the business. Do I do that every single day? No because my life is dynamic. So I don't know if that helps create context. No, it, it does. And I think what makes your book unique is that it's, so it's everything is figure outable, but there is, you are looking a lot about dreams and like passion and building a life you want. And a big aspect of that is a job, a career that you love. Yes. But what's interesting is like most books I read, they come from more of that like masculine, this is the routine, these are the rules, and not so much for creatives. And I think there's a lot of people who have really big ideas and who are very creative, but then struggle with the business aspect or how to get things going or not getting in their head so much. Yes. So this is, I just don't think there's a book like this out there in this market because it is for the creative. And I think there's a lot of us creatives are craving something. And it allows you to be flexible, right? So uh, we have a lot of folks in our audience who say, especially if they're freelance in a sense, like they're artists. So they show up on certain gigs and then maybe they have time off and they show up. It's like, you don't necessarily always have the same schedule every day. And that rigidity doesn't fit for everyone. Now it doesn't mean that you can't have structure. You can have structure that's flexible. And that to your point helps you create more freedom. And that's what I tried to do is to, to share principles and practices that not only myself, but that uh, our body of students have found benefit in over the years. These have been road tested. So it's not like I'm just coming out with these, you know, out of my butt. It's like, no, we know these things work here. Take them, try it before you deny it, test it for yourself and use it flexibly to get yourself where you most want to go. Definitely. I was going to share this story on just on the podcast, but I'm going to share it now because I want to tell you Um, that we met we were talking earlier, we met nine years ago to this month, nine years ago. And I was living in the West Village and that's where you live too. And I remember, I think it was that night or around that same period of time, we shared a cab and your show Marie TV was going really well. You know, things were really going great. And I asked you, I said, are you going to do a TV show? Like, is that, is that the next thing, you know, or a book? And you said, you said to me, and I'll always remember it. You were like, you know, I get offers a lot for TV shows, but I really love what I'm creating here. And I love um, the whole process and the control I have. And, you know, you went on about how much you loved creating Marie TV. And what really struck me is I was like, okay, this isn't a person who just sets the goal that society thinks is the goal, right? Like, it's very easy to be like, I want a TV show, like, or someone offers you a TV show and you go, yes, because in society, having a TV show comes with a certain status. You're building a life that fits with the values and the freedom that you want. And I, I just love that. And that made me reflect and go, okay, when it comes to my goals, 
what are, what are the goals that really fit into the lifestyle I want? So for example, now being a mom, so how can I fit this into my life instead of feeling like there are these, these expectations, like to be successful, it needs to look this way. And what's interesting about the book and the stories that you've shared, and I've had this experience in my own life when it comes to goal setting, so many of the best things that happened in my life didn't even exist when I was goal setting. So I couldn't have set that goal because it wasn't, you know, it didn't exist yet. So tell me a little bit about that, because when it comes to goal setting, how do we move in that direction, but stay open to something that can be even better? Yeah. So this often comes, I remember someone who actually, I was thinking about hiring for our company. This is very recent said, Hey Marie, I would love to ask you a question. Like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, very frankly, I have no idea. I have no idea. Like the world five years from now is going to look so different. I can tell you what's happening in this next like 12 to 18 month period in terms of what we're focusing on, but five years, oh, forget about it. So here's the deal. You know, I remember when I first started exploring dance as a potential career and I was so excited, but I was over the hill in the dance world at 25, which again, a lot of folks who are professional dancers, and I'm talking about recreation, not talking well, about- Well, these are when they were five. We, yes. <laughs> right? And yes. I had never taken a professional dance class ever. And I was already 25. So I felt a little behind the eight ball. But I remember once I started getting into that world and I started gaining a little traction, it was natural for me to look around and go, okay, well, what do, what are dancer goals? What, what do dancers do? And they go on auditions to go on tour with artists or do music videos with artists. Like that's what you do. And I was like, oh, that makes logical sense. And I remember they, I heard about a music video that Missy Elliott was doing. Who's like, she, I love Missy. And she was doing a music uh, video audition here in New York city. I was terrified, Jessica. I showed up at that audition. I was like, wanted to throw up. It was just so intimidating. And I basically got in the audition room. The choreographer went through like a few counts of eight. I was so in over my head. I could not keep up. It was basically my worst dance nightmare coming true. You know, like you're going in the different direction, nothing, you're like getting nothing. And everyone else has like this photographic memory. I literally walked out of that room crying. I went down um, the, basically down the stairs, walked onto like 8th Avenue in Manhattan and was so humiliated and felt like such a loser because I was like, oh my God, I am just, I'm too old. I should have never done this. Who am I to think I could make any difference in this industry? But here's what happened about that Missy Elliott fail to your point. I stepped back and really asked myself what I was loving and enjoying about dance. And the truth was, I had so much fun when I was in a dance fitness environment, like when I could teach people not only moves, but then could take them through things that would strengthen their body, the whole class was always about fun and learning. There were people of every age range, every body size, every ability, and we were all there to kind of learn and have fun. And I got honest with myself that I was like, that's the place I actually thrive. I thrive in that environment. So I said, I'm just going to be kind to myself and focus in the area where I find the most joy. And so I kept going there, kept going back to this dance fitness environment. Little later, started doing fitness videos, which I absolutely love teaching in front of the camera, all this stuff, learning, understanding production. Then like two years later, this opportunity came through from Nike 
First time in the company's history, they had a whole campaign around dancers being athletes, and they were starting this new initiative called the Nike Rockstar Workout, and they were looking for master trainers. Within like a couple of weeks, the company had come to New York City. They auditioned us, and I became one of the world's first ever Nike elite dance athletes. I got to work with this guy, Jamie King, who's choreographed for like Rihanna and Bruno Mars and so many other people. And then I wound up traveling the world, like teaching other dancers about this dance, but in the exact kind of context that was such a right fit for my skill set, my ability, and my joy. So the lesson here was this I could have never set a goal to be a Nike elite athlete when I was crying after the Missy Elliott audition failed because it didn't exist yet. I had to keep following what felt right to me, which didn't match my societal expectation of dancer success, but it was the thing that I was really meant to do. And that led me to one of the best experiences of my life, which all of that experience in leadership and teaching and traveling has made a huge impact on what I do today. None of it could have been predicted, but to your point about having the courage to define success for yourself and not constantly try to meet the expectations of the external world or how other people define success, it takes a lot of practice, it takes a lot of bravery, but it is so worth it. And I think that we don't give enough airtime to encouraging people to look inside for what their definition is rather than look outside for what other people determine as success. Amen. Marie, I have two questions I like to ask every new guest on the podcast. The first one is, can you share something in your life that when it happened, it seemed absolutely horrible and it became one of the biggest blessings? Well, I think I just did. It was, it was the Missy thing. Yeah. Yeah. It really is the truth because at that moment, um, it just, I felt like all the time I had been putting in was a waste. I felt like I was such a loser. I felt so incapable. I felt like I would never get there. And then again, only in retrospect, it redirected me to the place where I could contribute the most and that I could actually feel a sense of contribution and also a, a sense of fun and accomplishment. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then the next question, it's a silly one, but I love it. If you could be any animal, what would you be and why? Oh, goodness. Any animal, what would I be and why? I think I might be a bunny in a place where bunnies aren't hunted because I'd like (laughs) to my life. Um, And I would love to be a bunny in like an open field because I just... Like from the outside, they just look so cute. And like the thought of like just munching on stuff and looking around and munching on stuff and going to snuggle (laughs) with other bunnies just sounds really fun. I think that's perfect. I love that. I love that. I wouldn't have guessed bunny, but I I think I would have said my first guess was probably like a lioness. Yeah, I feel like, like I need to know more about the animal kingdom to under, but that could be- <laughs> no, but I like how out of everything, like it's it shows too, like you, you're writing a, a book that helps people with their business and you'd like to be a bunny. And what, <laughs> that, what that tells me about your personality is that this book and everything you do is way more than about creating a business. It's about yeah. creating a life that you love. Yes. I love that. Um, so 
everyone, guys, everything is figure outable is coming out on September 10th. And Marie, I think if they order now, they yeah. have a coaching. Yeah. So I'll tell this story really fast yeah. for anyone who's writers in your audience, they'll appreciate this. So uh, when I turned in the final manuscript, I was really, really proud of it. There was this last chapter, chapter 10, that I had spent so much time on the research and really crafting this thing. And it was all new material. I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear their feedback. And my publisher and editor got back to me. They're like, we think that last chapter just shouldn't be in the book. And I was just like, Ugh. like, I felt like it was like such a punch in the gut. And I took a little bit of time. I got some fresh perspective and I realized they were a hundred percent right. That chapter did not belong in the book. It belonged in the classroom. So the whole goal of that chapter was to help people embed this belief. Everything is figure outable into their consciousness, into their heart, into their soul, and to do it based on neuroscience and behavioral science. So what I did is I took that chapter, worked it even further and turned it into an online course because I'm like, you know what? It, it is the advanced material, but I need people to read the book first. And then I want to give them these tools. And so we developed a tool. Someone can use it in 90 seconds or less, and it will help you move through any fear, any obstacle, any self-doubt. It's a simple acronym and you can run through it so fast once you learn it. So if you pre-order the book, you totally get the course for free. There's no upsell. There's no like funny business. It's just, I want people to have the material and I can teach it more effectively using my voice, using fun sheets, using all of these different tools and community. So if you pre-order everything is figure outable before September 10th, um, you can come get the course. Just go to everything is slash free gift, upload your receipt and you're good to go. Perfect. Everything is figure outable. It's so good. Thank you so much, Marie. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Jessica. I adore you. And thanks everyone. Love you, sister. Bye everyone. Thanks for tuning in.